Hello, you're listening to episode one of Buffet, a podcast about many things that you might find at a buffet and not just the food. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about all things. We talk about television. We talk about movies. politics. You know, movies. And we talk food. about food. Food. Yes. Food is a joy that can't be escaped in any context. So if this if this show was just going to be about movies, it would also have food included. So it's a disservice to call it just movie podcast. Right. We, so we talk about all things great about the world. A, a big focus of the show is we talk about two movies every single week. Yeah. Two movies every single week, one of which is in the movie theater or is brand new and the other one is a movie that one of us assigns the other person to watch that yeah. they've seen before and the other person hasn't seen before and so this week the two movies just happen to be extremely related and it's train spotting and t2 train spotting which i will fess up here i had never seen train spotting out of the thousand plus movies i've seen uh, somehow I uh, didn't see it, and it was uh, high time to catch it before uh, I got it spoiled by the new one. Yeah, and so uh, sitting to my right is a man with a really thick, uh, generally well-groomed beard, Patrick M. Chervis. And to my left, I have a very strapping uh, young lad. Named Shelby Baldock. He's a filmmaker. We're both filmmakers, uh, we'd like to say. And uh, so here we go. Episode one, Buffet. nostalgic feelings from Mort the Chicken I don't know that you don't even know what that is I bought it at Sam's Club on discount I beat it in one day and the best thing about it was that it made it had a it had a video in the middle that was just uh, like you know those commercials for like uh, CDs that you know, what am I trying to say it's like a ver- random variety of songs yeah and it was just one of those and it just had a bunch of chicken puns in <laughs> the song titles. Oh, I do remember buying video games at Sam's Club. Yeah, because you would it would just be sitting out in the open. Like oh, this. and they're cheap as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's they're the ones that like, you know, they uh, all these shitty game companies printed too many copies and didn't re- realize that nobody would buy them, so they just sell them off to Sam's at like a cheap price. You know, uh, what else was bought from the probably the exact same Sam's Club, the one on uh, you remember the Sam's on Covington Pike in Memphis? <laughs> no, I don't. I used to go to that all the time with my mom growing up because she was a hostess right so we would go to the actual hostess bakery store and we'd buy all the bread there and then you go right down the street to the sam's club and you buy all the the extras 
yeah the extras and uh, they i bought more at the chicken and a <laughs> spanish language the, how the grinch stole christmas starring jim Carrey. <laughs> i can't get over the title mort the chickens and what what system was this on playstation 2 oh wait was it 2 did they have playstation game to, to play at ps2 games in the square cases ever no okay it, so it was playstation it 1 it was playstation 1 yeah yeah because I remember on PlayStation 1, I had that, and I had, man, that's some terrible. I had Frogger 2, Swampy's Revenge, Namco Museum. Um, God damn, I can't remember. I had, I had a, you know, a plethora. I mean, on Super Nintendo, I had some unbelievably forgettable games. I had that NBA game. It was not NBA. It was just Michael Jordan's Haunted House game. <laughs> Know what I'm talking what about? What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? He, Michael Jordan had a fucking haunted house game. Yeah, and his ammunition. He wore his fucking jersey and he went in this haunted house and you shot these like basketballs like ghosts. That sounds like a fucking terrible game. Yes, you think that's the worst. I had this other game that was I, I don't even remember what the game was or who the main character was. You were not human. You were some version of an animal and it's very cartoon looking and then rats are your enemies and at some levels you go into the cheese and you fight rats god damn (laughs) but you know this is this is so shelby because for some reason weird things happen to you you know what I'm saying? Do you do you not feel that to like me, to we you? Have, we both have friends that weirder things have happened to. I I, I, re- I know that, but it seems like you your entire life have been. I don't know, like weird things just happen to you. Like for instance, like okay, like the video game thing. You know, I've never even heard of any of these video games that you're talking about. Oh. Like I don't even know that they exist. And I'm pretty knowledgeable about video games. <laughs> well, I mean, but I still had, like, all the Super Star Wars games. I oh, had yeah. F-Zero. I had, uh, uh, well, actually, on PlayStation 1, I didn't have anything very memorable. I don't remember what I had. On PlayStation 2, I had, like, ATV Off-Road Fury. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> who didn't? Though? I feel like I feel like PlayStation ushered in the era of like, you know, let's make let's make as many fucking trash <laughs> games that we possibly can. But anyway, you brought up Sam's Club. Okay. Do you ever remember that they used to sell Star Wars action figures at Sam's for like really cheap? No, I I I didn't really buy Star Wars action figures very much. I I had. I had a few, yeah. and I had what I was really into was the micro machines stuff. Yes, where you had little tiny things, and I would I had a I had a um, uh, was it seven and a half by eleven or eleven and a half by seven the the you know page a standard paper size yeah. magnifying glass it was yeah. a sheet magnifying okay. sheet yeah oh yeah and yeah. I had the Hoth full base micro machines and a couple things and what I did was I sat on a shelf. And I, um, I, I put, I just displayed everything on there with that my things, and I took the magnifying glass, and I put it in front of the whole thing, and I had it displayed for everyone to see because, then I was like, look, it's better than in real life. You can look through it, and it seems bigger, like an Whoa. IMAX. Whoa! Wow, you really thought this out because. And I left it there for months. 
I wouldn't play with it. Where did you get the idea with the the magnifying? Well, the magnifying glass came with this atlas that my parents bought me. This atlas book. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's a great. That's a. I remember. Well, you know, that's good that you got those micro machines because those are actually worth more than well, the gone. fucking action figure. Oh, they're gone. Everything's gone. Oh shit. I had my uncle was hardcore into Hot Wheels, like mm. to the point that in yeah. his house there was a room only yeah. with Hot Wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would he was the person that would be like, you know, you you get the series, you keep them in these cases. And in years to come, they'll be super worth something. And I had, like, the Hershey series and all this stuff. Yeah. But I think... You tell me this. I'm going to ask... I'm going to sort of pose it as a question. Okay. We're the generation that really came up with Pokemon. Okay? In America. Yeah. And the whole thing about Pokemon was at first... Actually, in my mind, I don't ever remember it ever being about the game. I always remember it being about trading, oh, collecting. Oh, for sure. Well, because because if you actually sit down and play a fucking Pokemon card <laughs> in game, it's boring as fuck. <laughs> I mean, people got into Yu-Gi-Oh, I, I, right? And Magic, those are similar. Isn't Yu-Gi-Oh is kind of similar? To I them, mean, right? it's still the same shit. It's like who who has the time growing? I mean, you know, when Pokemon cards came out, I was. I don't know, fucking twelve. No, I, <laughs> yeah, no, maybe yeah, yeah. even like, maybe I was like ten or it something. Definitely was elementary school because the people that I was hanging out with and trading cards with, I didn't really see. After like, who at that point in their life has the fucking patience to sit down and play a, so, a this is card game? This is what I'm getting at. Collecting things for a lot of our generation got ruined by Pokemon. Yeah, because because all these these companies just latched on to like, oh, let's sell as many variations of something as we possibly can. But also, our generation got screwed over by collecting too, in in the sense that, you know, in the in the in the seventies and the eighties, all those toys that people grew up with, they're worth a shit ton. I know. You know, they're worth like a lot because. They didn't make a lot of them. They, they, you know, yeah. when back in the in the day when a toy came out, they had like a limited run. And I, I'm talking like I know anything about toys. I don't, but I do know this: is that they they made like a limited amount of those toys. In the '90s, it was the complete opposite. They like like produced a shit ton of the of of those toys, and everybody bought one. So what are the what are the rarities from then? Like none, like but then like why? okay. I, I'll, I'll say all I know about Star Wars figures is that all the Star Wars figures that we collected around the time the special edition movie came out, they're worthless. They're worth they're worth they're worth less than what they would we bought for them at that time. And and the That's reason most it, of the things in my life. And the reason is is because fucking George Lucas. Oh, yeah. It's not George Lucas specifically, but the, you know that the the people who ran. You know the production of the of the toys Hasbro, I think the name. Yeah. They just fucking made a shit ton of them because they knew it was gonna sell. What do they have to lose? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're still doing it. Yeah. But here's my question. All right. So, I have vivid memories, vivid memories of being screwed over by Pokemon trades. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember when I because st- I started later than everybody and. 
it bit me in the ass at first because I had yeah. you know you get the starter pack and it, every one of them has a what is it Machamp the yeah, blue yeah, one yeah 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 nobody wants it nobody wants it so nobody would take it so all I would do is sit there and complain to my friends and they didn't care and then you know you get in at some point and you finally have shifted your deck right. And then there's that period of time where it was like, ooh, but a Japanese holo card. Oh, yeah. That's better than anything, right? So I got a Japanese holo Magneto. Magneto? The I magnet thing. It's just fucking magnets uh, on it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's a yellow-looking card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got that. And then one day I'm sitting there. I had to trade, like, some serious stuff for that. I think I, I lost a lot that day. I lost a lot of my um, soldiers. What's the word for soldiers? Uh, the other word for, for soldier. <laughs> another word for soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, eat the uh, platoon, not platoon. Uh, 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 team. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> There's a word that is it. Is it Pokemon related no, word? No, no, it's actual. Anyway, all I'm trying to say is I gave up a lot that day to win the war. Uh, so, okay. Oh right. And then one day I'm sit home post battle, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking. Oh my god, all those men are dead. All the soldiers are dead. Was it worth, you know, the oil reserves that I got for it? And uh, I got really upset. So I took my holocard, my Japanese holocard, and I go back to Anthony. That was the kid. His name was Anthony. Fun fact about Anthony when I would spend the night at his house, his grandmother <laughs> would <laughs> make us uh, <laughs> bowls of uh, boil spinach, right? Yeah, cooked, cooked spinach, and then she would cut up um, a, a bars of cream cheese and serve that on a separate plate. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, he didn't want to give back my cards for his <laughs> Japanese holo card, and I laid out on him for like you know all of two minutes and then it just it went away it didn't matter anymore and probably maybe six months later like i was just giving them my cousins because i didn't care anymore but i do remember going to like um the the fairgrounds when they would still like every week have the big yeah. flea markets at the fairgrounds mm -hmm. there there was a i remember seeing the pokemon booths and these cards going for like 50 to 100 bucks and be, me thinking in that time, how do I get that money? Man, I know. Have you watched anything recently? I saw uh, two movies this week. Uh, well, two movies other than the one we watched today. So, uh, yeah, the the first movie I saw this week... I wonder if we should go through the worst one first, and maybe it'll go quicker. Y yeah, tell me the, what's the worst All one. All right, so two... What's today? Today's Saturday, so I guess Thursday night I saw Werner Herzog's new movie, Salt and Fire. It's got um, Michael Shannon, uh, Ferris, here's her last name, uh, Catherine Ferris or Penelope Ferris? Should we have this out? I, I don't know. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe we should. I think Here. she's a German actress, German well, or French. So Salt and Fire is about um, this team. Gael Garcia Bernal is also in a supporting role. Um, but it's this team of UN representatives um, that are flying to Colombia, I believe, to go to the uh, uh, the world's largest um, 
salt fields. You've seen in all those car commercials and stuff, just a big, vast expanse of white, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is a true man-made ecological disaster. Right? Veronica Ferris? Oh, yeah, Veronica Ferris. She's terrible. In that movie, at least. Um, uh, so they're going down there to report on the scientific findings about why what you know we can do right as man-made problems so it's in you know it's just you can at the very beginning you're you're under the impression that uh you know they're do-gooders that are gonna do what what you've been hearing on the news for all this time talking about global yeah. warming and yeah. man-made ecological problems and they're just gonna scientifically report on it to the u.n uh but when they get to the airport when they land there's some shady looking guys there and of course they're kidnapped and they're taken blindfolded uh, bags over the heads on a plane to this undisclosed place where uh, Michael Shannon and a slew of other men wielding machine guns then want to talk to her about um, perspective and it's like nearly room level the room level, awful. I'm not joking. What do you really? Yes, Michael Shannon gives probably his worst performance, and Whoa. you at, at least he's still not you know like falling on himself bad. Yeah. Gael Garcia Bernal gives this oddly like humorous performance, and uh, what's her first name? Uh, uh, Catherine? No. Um. Veronica uh, Ferris. Veronica Ferris. Veronica Ferris. Yeah. Uh, I'm sh- I don't know. Maybe in her native language she sounds right, but she's nothing works out of her mouth in this movie. So the point is, you learn at the end that this whole time Michael Shannon has been the CEO, I think, of this company that caused the salt fields, and he feels an immense guilt, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants the UN to report on the salt fields the way he wants it to be reported. However, he wants it to be reported in a way that people will change their ways in the world, right? So they won't cause this again. Mm -hmm. And the title, of course, comes from the salt on the field, but there's an inactive volcano on the salt fields. And so all underneath all the salt is a fire. And he even does that stupid thing where he looks into the camera and goes, we'll have to pay by salt and fire. People applauded in the audience and laughed. I mean, it was that Whoa. kind of a situation where people were openly mocking the movie in the theater. And it was deservedly so. There's a character in this movie that is kind of amazing, and I kind of love it. I mean, this movie is worth watching only because it's hilarious. And there's a guy in a wheelchair who named Klaus or Kraus. And he kind of talks like this. You know, it's just a goofy white dude in a long black trench coat in a wheelchair right and halfway through the movie he gets up out of the wheelchair and just walks onto the screen <laughs> and Veronica Ferris goes what are you doing I thought you could not walk yeah we're all asking that lady we're, we're watching the movie right now and then he goes I only use the uh, wheelchair when I'm tired of living and that's it. That's the explanation. And so then the rest of the what movie. What the fuck? Then the rest of the movie sort of randomly he'll be in the wheelchair again. I mean, and, it, and then on top of all of this, the dialogue is poorly written. There's only one good scene in the whole movie, and I saw it before I saw the movie. It was a clip. 
And well, they fucking did their job pretty well because well, it's probably the you know according yeah. to you the best scene in the movie, so you wouldn't <laughs> fucking saw it. Yeah, and it was a beautiful scene, uh, but there then you know the cinematography is awful in this movie, dude. It's terrible. Do you, now do you do you think that's because Werner Herzog insists on making like four movies a year, so he you know he probably has to. I would you say know. this. I would say that the intentions of this movie actually are good. And the whole idea of using a place where you can lose your perspective of vision, but the idea of it being, okay, then that's the place where you gain perspective in your mind. Yeah. And then the whole idea of the movie where we're talking philosophically about perspective, and then the whole idea of the scene that I saw was that you're in a hallway, and as you're looking down the hallway, it just looks like a monk sitting under a tree. But as you continue on, it stretches, and it starts to make this um, image of a, of, of a boat in a stream. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. All this is great. It's 100% poorly executed. Wow. Totally worth seeing <laughs> because of it. Oh, really? Oh, wow. And on top of that, the screening I went to was the New York Film Critics Association live screening. And afterwards, they were supposed to host a live broadcast Q&A with Michael Shannon. Yeah. Almost the reason why you would go see this, right? Mm-hmm. It kept messing up. It started three times. And by the third time, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was great it's interesting because the way that you just described the plot of that movie minus the the you know you describing the the really shitty scenes i would probably go see that movie it sounds fucking interesting that's every description of of a herzog movie is always sounds interesting and at no point is it good in this version though that's the problem he he he, i don't know what this is going to sound like but you know how a lot of these aging sort of legendary directors are just like it seems they are incapable of making a movie sometimes and aside from his documentaries this is ringing like hardcore true in his narrative stuff right now because i haven't seen queen of the desert with nicole kidman but i heard it's pretty terrible too yeah it it seems to be kind of a running thing just i mean in the history of films i mean this is not like a new thing like directors tend to not make good shit when they get older you that's know? true but you know then i know you didn't really i don't know if you care did you care for midnight in paris uh i never i, I never saw you it you never saw it okay no, i, I love it. it i love that movie everything surrounding it that he's made i mean i know that blue jasmine got good reviews and stuff but i couldn't care less for it. i mean his two magic in the moonlight and uh uh irrational man those are god awful interminable movies and I like sitting in the theater just going like, I got to do something better with my life. That's what I think. But yeah. then you had that Midnight in Paris movie. And I'm like, I'm going to come back. <laughs> I'm going to come back. But, Believe with, me. but with Herzog, I mean, he's pretty consistently great with his docs. Even a bad one is still worth watching. I mean, there isn't... I don't know if he really made a bad doc, actually. He's always... Because you can't... Docs can be completely boringly made. But I, I can tell you that he's made a couple dull. Yeah, uh, but that's like that not the into same as uh, in, into um, into the abyss. Is it into the abyss? Yeah, the one about the Prisons? the prison. Yeah, yeah. We I think we saw that together. It, it didn't hit me as hard as as a lot of a lot Wait, of the stuff. Did we see that together? Yeah, we saw that together on Valentine's Day. 
Because I, I watched that movie on a Valentine's Day. I don't know if we, I don't know if it was Valentine's Day or not. I think I watched that. Why? In the What's theater the, on Valentine's How Day do you and know that? Walked around. I remember vividly. It was either that or I'm connecting to events because I do remember seeing a really uh, bleak movie. Oh, <laughs> with on a Valentine's Day where I didn't have a girlfriend, and then walking around the mall just complaining. Jesus. <laughs> We live a storied life. I think I saw that though in Studio on the Square in that's Memphis. Where, yeah, that's where I saw it. That's where you saw it. I think I saw it with maybe you. I'm. Maybe over the years I have somehow placed it on Valentine's Day. Actually, you know what? I think I might have seen that at the Ridgeway Four. Huh. Anything else? I mean, you watch anything else? I saw Get Out. Do you want to talk? about Yeah, let's it? talk about that. This is gonna be really hard to talk about because you can't escape the fact that we're two white guys talking about it you can't and it is a part of the it is a part of the conversation so so what did you think of the movie so this is i have to say whatever positive or negative anybody ever feels about this movie i don't think as long as i have been alive there has been a wide released movie like this yeah. yeah Completely. <laughs> like, I'd have to think about that, but okay. I mean, I, I agree with like it. Generally, I'll go see a studio, a wide-release movie, but, and it leaves you with nothing, for better or worse. But it's a, it's the subject matter that got people talking and, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're right, you're so, right. So, I mean, I think it got me. Okay. I think it, it, it the setup was was well executed i forgot i was in a movie theater i was really into the i was really into the movie mm. the ending was a little you know it's hard to do endings i i forgive movies yeah. for endings occasionally it's it's a little hard to do and it, how do you end a movie like that you know and and not piss people off and you know i liked it I liked it. I thought it was fun. That that's 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 a th- usually when I see a horror movie, it's not fun. Yeah. It ends up being like this is stupid. <laughs> you know? Generally nowadays. Generally yeah. nowadays, but although there's still a lot of good horror movies that exist that I think come under the radar. Right. But yeah, there are there are scenes in that movie that are like really well executed the and best? like what's get your me. favorite scene in the movie? I I really like the scene where he um, realizes that his phone is being unplugged and it, and is slowly losing battery and he's not unplugging it and mm. the 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 maid walks in and and he almost and he almost like gets her to switch back yeah. in and the like the tear yeah. rolls down her cheek. That was a pretty fucking awesome scene. I thought the sunken place scene was. Amazing. Oh the oh all all the th- yes. So like that was, there's something very disturbing about that. Well, it was the most I thought the most uniquely executed scene in the movie. Yeah. Whereas I feel like generally the movie um, felt like a big reference, or if not a specific reference, then just a genre reference book, and I. I this movie didn't really work on me 
outside of that one scene. I thought that was the one scene where it started playing against my expectations. Everything else, I mean, when she when he just finds the shoebox with the pictures, I'm like, okay, that's there. I get it. Okay, that's the ending. But but then like you know, I I wasn't ever scared, man. Not once. And I don't know what that says about me. Um, but like, man, when when the guy's running at him in the yard, the person that I went and saw it with like tensed up and went, like, oh, and I was like. This is my, this is okay. I'm gonna go ahead and just say exactly what I felt going in and mm-hmm. what I came out with. Yeah. Going in, I thought that the trailer. I didn't care for the trailer. I okay. thought the trailer was just going. Hey, isn't this strange? Aren't I scaring you? Isn't this weird and offbeat? Every little thing is just like, whoa, what's that all about? And I was nervous that that was gonna be the kind of horror that I was gonna be getting, and I feel like that's exactly what I got. And it's very surface horror to me and it doesn't mean much like and then it would have those weird music cues in the moments where it's like hing i thought it was silly sounding well i i, I never got anything from this guy I, I his whole backstory just seemed like plot so what 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 how, how what do you feel the message is the message yeah what's the what would you would you get from this because I'll tell you what I got from this, okay. and I think there was a point where I realized it. Uh, uh, blackness is is cool, but um, uh, we're losing a part of what being cool, what what being black is. Yes, by by, by their appropriating exactly. Yes, yeah, um, which is a kind of a complex thing to tackle. I mean, yes, that's completely worth tackling. I was just not necessarily entertained by it, and I had, and I feel like it was undermined by the, um, by most of the little before the ending into the ending when it starts becoming violent. Mm. I was confused. I was like, I get that you would react this way in these exact circumstances, but the movie doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah, and like that's what I'm confused about, and. I just thought so much was convenient for the ending. Mm. And that when he charges at the dad and stabs him with the deer's head, the antlers, I was like, okay, he did that. That's whacking crazy, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he has to fight the mom. That was the only one that worked for me because it had been set up through everything with the little, yeah. with the little um, uh, tea and saucer, or cup and saucer, and uh, saucer and whatever. What am I trying to say? Cup and saucer is that right? Cup. Yeah, anyway, sure. <laughs> uh, sure. But then um, I found taking out the brother and his ex-girlfriend problematic, and this is where I start to wonder what I'm saying versus what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And I saw this movie with uh, an Asian guy who, um, after the movie, I, I, I said, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about a movie like this. Because yeah. I start to feel like when he's stomping the brother's head and it goes on a really long time and it seems like the movie is making a big moment out of it, but it feels unearned. 
because all the brother ever did was that one scene at the beginning of the movie and nothing else the entire movie. Well, no, he participates in... Yeah, yes, yes, I got you, but what do we see him do? It does. I mean, I don't think that. I mean, we don't see the 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 dad doing anything either. You, you know? see the dad preparing to do shit. Though. Well, That's but he but the son is fucking preparing the, that too. You see the dad preparing for surgery, and you see what he's completely capable of. You see the mom do the therapy thing, and we know that yeah. she has control over him. And then we have the entire story of the 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 uh, ex girlfriend or the girlfriend, but. The brother just seems there to act like the creepy brother for that one scene, and then he gets his face stomped in in a sort of revelatory scene, which is bothersome to me. And the reason why it's bothersome is I just don't understand. I don't understand what I'm supposed to get from leaving her in the road at the end. Is it connecting to the mother story? Because you just did that with the, the, the maid. That you hit in the car and you got to get her out and that lets her come out with the gun and follow you and and then you have these bits of humor that none of them worked or land for me and the ending with the TSA stuff I'm like this is completely irrelevant to me and like if the movie had been more about the psychological game play and yeah. less about the isn't this so weird then I would have probably enjoyed it. Because to me, I don't know where the movie stands, and I don't know exactly what it means. What you said, I think, is part of what it means, not the whole. Yeah, yeah. And this is why it's so strange that it seems like a movie that wants to be transgressive and progressive in terms of what it's doing as a movie makes me feel like I don't know what to think about it and i don't know if that's positive negative but who am i here to have a conversation with you there you go <laughs> so, yeah i don't i don't know how much i'm going to like it i don't know 10 years from now i mean yeah. who the fuck knows it it seems like a very well it's it's, it's so a, clearly referencing 80s horror 80s and 90s horror and well, I just, yeah i don't care about that this is a moment i'm having now in the theater right right so i don't know well there you go okay so we're gonna take a break and then we'll get into our uh two movies of the episode train spotting yeah. and t2 <laughs> the train third spotting. hour of the episode <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, one of my, I think my favorite Weird Al moment ever. Um, I don't know. Did you ever listen to Weird Al? Uh, no, I didn't. There was a period in high school where I really thought he was great, and uh, on um, on uh, his song "Angry White Boy Polka." Yeah. There's a part where he's like, you know, goofily singing some metal song, and. Uh, he 
in between when he's going to transition, he goes, <laughs> and I just burst out laughing every time I listen to Because <laughs> he's like singing System of a Down. <laughs> That's amazing. You get what you pay for on this thing. Folks, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We'll figure it out. But This man has a bicycle in his living room. <laughs> It's true. It's true. What is this? Uh, Eastern Europe? Well, our first movie is Train Spotting okay. from 1996. Yes. Directed by Danny Boyle. Yep. And starring Ewan McGregor, Ewan Bremner, the two Ewies, Johnny Lee Miller, and Robert Carlyle. And Kelly uh, McDonald. Oh, that's right. She had a much bigger role in this one. That is true. Yeah. Um, so the kind of gist of yeah. the movie is that there's this guy, it follows this guy, he follows Ewan McGregor, and he is a heroin addict. It's kind of a coming of age story. But it also follows him trying to get off of it. It follows him trying to get off of it, and he has a group of friends try to as well, and, it, and they get on and they get off of it. And I've seen it before. I've seen it many times before. This is Shelby's first time watching it. But it really doesn't have that strong of a narrative. No, because it is, it is complete. It's, it's an, I mean, I've been thinking this word uh, about it. It is a, uh, as some dramas and character movies go, it feels like an epic scale character movie. Yeah. And that's what sells it for me is that it is about just, I want to plop in, you wrote unbelievably great characters we're going to hang out with him for the next two hours. Definitely. And we're going to go through everything with these people. And the yeah. thing that Danny Boyle does that nobody else is doing is he knows how to mine all the way to the core for to get the maximum mm. effect out of every drop of water this movie's swinging off. And that's, I mean, what's crazy is when I, was, when I first watched it, you know, it, take, it took me a good 20 minutes to get the hang of it. It yeah, felt like yeah. watching a stop motion animation movie where at first all you can do is see how, oh, I'm going to be watching how it's jittery the whole time. And then yeah. by the end you're like, oh, I forgot that yeah, it yeah, was yeah. handmade. Yeah. And uh, so that's what... It, it, it does start off kind of in a way where it's very hard to follow almost. Like very. you don't know what's happening. And they're speaking in a completely yeah. un, unfamiliar oh, way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it definitely is a little bit alienating at first. Well, it seems to exist by its own own version of real people's rules. You know, it's like, mm. well, I mean, they are benefiting from the fact that they're heroin addicts as a style. And so, therefore, everything can kind of take a heightened sort of place. Yes. And yeah. uh, this movie totally exploits that and in oh, a good man. way. I mean, in a way that the new one uh, didn't necessarily have the luxury of doing. So, right. Uh, and that's why. I mean, uh, what, oh, I mean, you could you could totally. I mean, when this movie came out, it it must have been so interesting, uh, unlike anything you'd ever seen before. Yeah. I mean, there are like these incredibly weird shots. You know, like for instance, that shot where he uh, he overdoses in that in that guy's house and falls into like 
almost like a coffin shaped part of the rug. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Which I, I, I'm going to say this real quick in yeah. connection with what we we're talking yeah. about. When that sunken scene, sunken place scene starts in Get Out, that's yeah. immediately what I thought. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a similar visual style. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It, it, yeah, it, and it's almost like a first-person perspective where you're right, looking yeah. down, kind of like kind of like tunnel vision yeah. of him. Dude, that was an awesome sh- idea. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. and then there's also that the scene. It's the it's the famous scene of him um, accidentally shitting out a bag of. Oh no, no, it's it's a lag. It's like a a um, a uh, time release. Yeah, like a painkiller that you put up your butt. What are, they, what are those called? Uh, uh, Sedatives? No, no, what are they fucking called? Um, but anyway, you know, it's a time release capsule that you yeah. shove up your butt. And suppository. Suppository. There, there you, go. you go. He accidentally shits it out, and in this really fucking gross bathroom, that's like, yeah. like, they, I think it's labeled like the 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 the, the, the worst, worst bathroom, bathroom in, in Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the the famous scene is he he shits this out and he like dives into the toilet, toilet. to get him back. It, it's like fucking phenomenal, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. And the song that plays through it. Is oh yeah, that, completely. Yeah. Remember, I remember uh, the week after I watched it, I was in a coffee shop and I was sitting there, just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out, and that song started playing overhead, and I sat down. I was like, "This is such a perfect song." It's Brian Eno, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, just like these amazingly, uh, these amazingly strange and you know, it, you you get the 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 feeling that Danny Boyle is kind of one of those guys where it's like, how can we shoot this scene in a way that no one's yeah, ever? Yeah. I mean, that shot of the baby when the baby has died, yeah, and you have that wide-angle lens going across the bars of the uh, the, the, the the yeah crib. Yeah, uh, that that shot is like terrifying. I remember, I still that's a very clear shot in my head. But then you have you know, uh, I mean the ending shot where he's running into the camera and he's going out of focus. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah, I mean the movie's laden. I mean, but all of his movies are are that way. And I feel like what's so awesome about Train Spotting in terms of watching Danny Boyle's movies is that you can tell that he doesn't have it completely down pat, mm. but he is so gung-ho to oh, just yeah. get in it and be dirty and messy with it. Yeah. And it's in it and given the context of the movie and the sort of just grossness of everything yes. in the movie like the 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 apartment that they're in. Oh, it's so, there's so much texture to everywhere. Gross. Like every even place. even when you go to Hugh McGregor's nice apartment. Yeah, yeah. It still feels wrong. Like all of Scotland <laughs> feels terrible. Yeah. When they go, when they go with uh, is it Tommy yeah. to that to that pasture to yeah, go yeah. up to the top of that mountain. They even managed, you know, with the clouds and it feels wet. Yes. Even though it's lush, it still yes. feels like. There's no place in Scotland that's good enough. Oh, totally. <laughs> and you know that's a that's a very and and we'll go into that in the next movie because mm-hmm. that they make a point about that. But I lived in England at this point in Northern England oh, cool. at this point when this movie came out, and that's where I saw it with with some friends who 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 had had it, you know, on a VHS, and it feels so distinct 
of that time period mm. you know it's so england was in this weird stage where it was like stuck in the 80s and stuck in the past and things weren't being updated and nothing looked good everything looked just kind of the same since the 80s you know but it it totally looking at scotland it totally reminds me of like the town i lived in in northern england mm. and like just the griminess of everything and you know it, it just does a great job of of capturing that era that like late 90s yeah. british town you but know you know what's also interesting about that is that you can distinguish and even though he's it, danny boy is from northern england right he's not from no i don't think he's scottish no right but even so Transpotting is undeniably a Scottish movie because yeah. when we uh, Acid House and then I feel like I've seen at least one other mo- Scottish yeah sort of uh, I don't know what way to put it youthful yeah, yeah movie yeah. Uh, they are uh, it's only from there yeah <laughs> it's this sort of manic look and lots of crazy colors and wide angles that is like hard to yeah. It's abrasive. It's a super abrasive style. And I feel like this movie, because it's about heroin addicts on and off, and in this sort of state also of, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, and we just live in a place that doesn't know what to be, and our friends all kind of, we all shit on each other, and that's our way we bond, and it just, it's kind of crazy making, and it totally like connects in there yeah yeah and like what but that feeling that you get when you sort of take in the whole thing is this it's it's um an overwhelming sense and you can't come out of it positive you can't yeah even at the end when he's running and he's saying i'm gonna do all this i'm gonna choose this i'm gonna choose life and all that stuff you can't help but think like this guy is not going to get any of it. No. And no. he might take this money and just go waste it all on more heroin. Yeah. And, but at the same time, you've got so much humor. You've got so much interesting character bits that it's just like you, somebody made a great full meal and said, you might be telling me you want one thing, mm-hmm. but I just made all of it. And this mm-hmm. is what you need. Yeah. And you're going to love it. And that's <clears throat> that's that's the mark of any movie that I like, even if it's a guilty pleasure. Like this yeah. is a Chinese movie I saw last year called um, uh, One Night Only. Mm-hmm. Random, not a great movie, but like you get a car chase, you get a romance scenes, you get comedy and all that stuff. And at the end, I was like, I'm glad I got all that. I'm glad I had all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to just sit here and eat candy. I don't want to just sit here and eat steak. Yeah. As good as both of them are together man oh yeah i just i just there's i I don't think there's anything that you cannot like about this movie yeah it has like unless you hate cursing um i don't know uh yeah exactly you can barely understand robert carlisle but that's great i love that (laughs) yeah yeah. i kind of love that because the way that they talk are is so interesting to me you know and it's obvious that Danny Boyle is aware that we're not going to fully understand it and that he's yes. allowing us to just 
He trusts us to know that we don't have to. Yeah. That's not the point. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, but it, there is this weird thing where you can follow what they're saying by, you know, uh, uh, things that are happening in the scene. Or, But for the most part, I know what they're saying, but m- maybe that's because I've seen it. But, but yeah, I remember the first time being like, what the fuck is... I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> well, did, didn't I tell but, you I said maybe 40% of all dialogue in the movie, I don't know what was happening, yeah, but that yeah. wasn't even a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the cinematography's great. The music... I mean, um, but obviously, sort of it's understood. of the time. And yeah. Danny Boyle is like the hyperkinetic Scorsese in some weird way. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not a, a, a style of music I love, but it it cool. it had to be that. You know what I mean? It had yeah. to be that music. It's You know what feeling I would put it into? Like, I can't really listen to metal. Like, I don't, I'm never into it. Yeah. But I remember one time going with a friend to a show. And the moment it started, I was like, I love it. Mm. I'm loving it right now. Yeah. And then you put in a CD, and I'm like, what is this nonsense? But right. <laughs> that's that's the feeling I get from it, although much more positive than that. Because yeah. outside of the movie, well, I think it's so perfectly paired that forever, like, I mean, that Brian Eno song, how can you ever hear that song again Yeah. and not see him swimming in the water? Exactly. How can you ever do it? Yeah, yeah. If you've seen this movie... That is, they're, they're comp- forever intertwined. If that was the most popular thing that Brian Eno ever produced, yeah. the obituary would talk about how yeah. it was connected with Trainspotting. Well, how, how do you feel about the ending? Uh, when he takes the money? Yeah. Uh, well, he lets me down, but I completely understand it. Right. And when he gives that look to Sick Boy, yeah. uh, not Sick Boy, uh, Spud, mm-hmm. uh, you, it all makes sense. And it's just the... the trouble of their relationship these four guys because you know that if in that moment uh uh frank frank uh what's what's his last name uh what does he go by he goes by i think he goes by franco yeah yeah frank or franco i think yeah but i thought yeah anyway if he were to wake up i mean the building would crumble so yeah and if he and if sick boy woke up I mean, their relationship would forever be over. And uh, yeah. you can only understand that Spud would be the one that would say, please don't do it, but he wouldn't rat him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this feeling of, oh, wait, when the job, when they get that job, you know it's not going to end well for everybody. Yeah, no. Even if it ends well as a deal. Right. It's impossible. The nature of their relationship is impossible. So. <laughs> and also I feel like throughout the entire movie, you're like, I, I remember thinking, you know, why are you friends with these people? Hmm. They're they're terrible. You know, they're interesting. But, you know, Robert Carlyle's a fucking, you know... Maniac. Maniac. Well, but I don't think he necessarily is close with any of them. It doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. It feels like a guy that tags on and is his own man. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He was the one who decided, hey, I'm leaving everything. I want a different life than what I have, and I'm leaving all of it yeah. behind and starting a new life. And he fucking succeeded in that, and he was brought in again by these idiots, and, you know, he fucking deserved that money. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. 
He's probably the only person who wouldn't go and spend it all on drugs. That all makes sense, but it also seems logical. You know what I mean? But I feel like if it had been Spud, Spud would have left them all their money and then left while they were sleeping. Right? Yes. Because I sense fairness in Spud. And that's the thing with Ewan McGregor's character that makes him worth being the main character in the mm. movie. Mm. Because he's a person that you as a normal human being can relate with and say like, yeah, I can understand you're a good guy. And then you're going to fuck up, you know, on a regular basis. And that you would be tempted to do this thing and then there would be a moment where you just do it. Yeah. And it makes sense to me. And that you would say, wait, no, I can rationalize with myself that this is the most positive thing I can do with myself in right. this moment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because he's not perfect and he's a person that can let you down but also has a sense of uh, morality and ethics that is seems... Less so in Sick Boy and seems beyond capacity for Frank. Oh, absolutely. He's just he's just a fucking monster. Like that scene <laughs> that scene at the end yeah. where, you know, they got they got they sold the, the drugs and, and he they, just they just let him in the room and he's just yeah. destroying the place. Yeah. Oh no no no. no. Oh, the, oh. the scene at the at the bar, like right after um they get the money and uh um you know, he go. You remember he goes to oh, the bathroom. Oh, and he stabs that person's head. Dude, he, no, he fucking like, he like grabs a fucking cup and like shoves it, like <laughs> oh, shoves yes. the, oh, and wow. breaks in his oh. in the guy's face. Yeah, you're and, right. Like, I remember wincing at that. But 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 I think that moment, that moment is where he goes over the line. Yeah. You know, because it's because in previous scenes where he does that, it's funny. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like when he throws the thing over his back. Yeah. He und- we understand he doesn't care about the consequences. Yes. But we also understand that he's not really taking anything out. He's not trying to use somebody as a punching bag. Yeah, he's just trying to have fun. Yeah. He, 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 loves, he loves fighting. He loves confrontation. He loves the craziness, you know. But that one scene at the end in the bar, he goes over, you know. And... You see it in Ewan McGregor's eyes. He's this guy doesn't deserve money. Yeah, this, well, they're, they're, you can tell already that their relationship has changed, and you don't know who to trust anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, should we should we move on to? I feel T2? like I feel like I want to start. Yeah, because we should talk about T2. making it about both of them. Right. Yeah. So we literally just saw this movie probably <laughs> like, like three three hours ago. Yeah. T two. T two. Train spotting. 2017, directed by Danny Boyle again, and the same cast. It seems to be the same everything, Pretty, almost, yeah. except for the new girl. Before the new girl, right. It is the sequel to Trainspotting, and... Um, really? It is. <laughs> it's not It's not Terminator 2. We're not right. reviewing Terminator 2 today. By the way, do you think that's they named it that on purpose? Because... So now everyone will wonder... Well, I don't know. What's why do you think they called it T2? I mean, there's I mean, already a very not, popular movie called T2. I mean, could I be in my complete ignorance correct though in thinking that it's related to trains and the numbers of trains? I don't I don't think so. Okay. I don't know, maybe. I, I mean, what like does this movie have to do with the trains? T2, dude. I mean, we didn't really really even talk about that train spotting. What does that mean? 
<laughs> Does it have any? I mean, that. Well, in T two, they talk. They, they talk say about it. it. <laughs> yeah. They say it's just literally waiting for trains, right? Watching trains. Isn't that it? Well, no. I think train spotting is actually of oh. uh, um, is a hobby. Oh, gotcha. It's people who go look at trains. Yeah. Um, but anyway. <laughs> So who is she? This is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we'll look up. Was she, Maybe you she, can look was her up. Was she Russian? While I'm or, going. Or, or was she Russian? She was Bulgarian. Bulgarian. I, well, the character was Bulgarian. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, okay, so it's 20 years later. Yeah. And um, McGregor comes back to Scotland kind of mysteriously. We don't quite know why. He comes back. Everybody doesn't like him except for Sp- Spud sort of comes to like him a lot quicker because Spud wants, is still on heroin and wants to get off and you and McGregor's going to help him. Yeah. Um, uh, but then, uh, uh, like, Simon has, you get this feeling, I mean, he's saying and seems I'm going to lie to this guy and act like we're friends again. I'm going to do something to him. And uh, Frank, for the most part, doesn't even know he's there throughout the movie. He's just escaping prison and yeah. trying to rob people's houses. But anyway, so the main plot, though, becomes that um, you think Simon has ill intentions of building this new brothel with Ewan McGregor, uh, Mark. I should not just keep saying Ewan McGregor. Um, and they're going to build this Mark, place right. up, and um, he's going to do something against him, right? Yeah. And then it becomes later that um, he's going to get Frank to basically hurt him right right right. and that's sort of loosely it yeah that's kind of that's that's kind of it and and this is definitely more of an ensemble movie than the first one yes it's about everybody yeah yeah it is about everybody well the the four and then the sort of this new character of the the, uh, Bulgarian girl that's sort of in between yeah, what did you think about her? Uh, there the were times where it made sense that... We need to find her name, by the way. <laughs> uh, t- times it made sense because she was with Simon, and it only makes sense that you and McGregor would then fall for her and share her, in a way, because that's the nature of him and Simon's relationship their whole life. They've always done the same things together, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of like that she is sort of fascinated by these people and wants to sort of moderate their mm-hmm. lives in a weird way. Yeah. However, I don't completely know why. Um, uh, that's just in all honesty, I don't completely know why. I mean, however, I guess you do get a little bit that she was a stripper, right? Mm-hmm. And started working with Simon and even though he was kind of a dick, she kind of liked him. And then that makes sense why she likes you, McGregor, because they're similar, uh, except he's much kinder. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, in a way, it was a disservice not to use Kelly McDonald in a similar role. However, that would have brought up a whole different can of worms. I don't know if I necessarily appreciated the way they used her in this No, movie. she seemed a little bit shoehorned in. She seemed like a nod. 
And that felt like it demeaned her character. But here's the thing. What the heck? Oh, my alarm went off. Sorry. It's okay. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> yeah. They mention a lot in this movie about... Talk a lot about nostalgia. Yeah. And I'm wondering why this movie exists, right? Why does this movie exist? Exists. I think it's purely out of nostalgia. It What... Let's go back to that time and let's talk about it. Let's see where the characters are now. And, um, it, you know, there, there's even like shots that are read, you know, a lot of them. And, but the, and, but the thing is, is that they, they don't, you know, usually if a movie, a sequel does that, they don't draw attention to that. That's the, we're redoing this shot. You know what I mean? Oh, this completely. This is... completely. This will put that shot and the shot that they're redoing next to one another, so you see that they're redoing that shot. You know what I mean? Like that and kind of thing. It brings a little bit of a melancholic. Yeah, it does. Tone to it. But I, I think that it doesn't. It doesn't hold anything back when it's saying we're we, we know you love, this story, mm-hmm. and we want you to feel nostalgic about this this that movie and relive it in kind of a different way and see where the characters are. But you know, also like, see that, you know, nostalgia about terrible things is not great. Yeah. It's not a good pl- place to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what I got from that last shot of the movie. Yeah. Is that you can't, this is not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the, at the same time, you know, there's that scene where Robert Carlyle... Spud is 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 uh, reading aloud his story about the scene in Train Spotting One where he throws the cup over. You said Spud. Spud is reading the story. Oh, Spud is reading the story. Right, and and Robert Carlyle is listening, and he's like fucking getting yeah, into yeah. like he's reliving that. Oh, but you also have the whole thing connected. I mean, it's all connected with him. The, he can't get it up in that movie, so he can see yeah. Viagra. It's all he wants what he used to have. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, he's the only one that was in prison. Right. So it's he's kind of the only one deserving of it, even though he's the most bullheaded, uh, undeserving yeah, yeah, yeah. human. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and I really like how they had all that footage of them as kids yeah, and all yeah. this stuff. And it was all about, like... I'm going to bring up a visual thing that I think I noticed in the movie. I mm. could be making this up, but yeah. I feel like it's connected. So in the footage of the past and from the old movie, it's grainy, right? It's older, mm-hmm. it's 20 years or plus, right? Yeah. And I feel like I noticed subtly the movie goes from a very clean digital look to having more noise. Mm. Like they're going back through the whole movie oh. to that time. Wow, and that yeah. And that's where they end up is right back where they started. That's fucking yeah. If that's minus the heroin, yeah, like they're yeah, gonna yeah. relive everything and do it again and just yeah, yeah. get rid of the heroin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the mom too. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. But, um, like, yeah, because at the end he's dancing in that room and yeah, like, all you can think of in that room is nothing positive happened. In this yeah, place. but how about that last shot though? It's great. Oh man, where it's pulling back. Yeah. Oh, God. and it turns into like a train. Yes, it's fantastic. Oh, dude. it's fantastic. That, see, what I liked about this movie was, whereas the first one benefited from having heroin as a part of the movie in context, therefore it it uh, informed the visual style. Mm. This one 
seemed to which I think is really interesting. The visual style of this movie seems really layered, right? Yeah. So it knows that we liked that from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And then it knows that because we're referencing the movie so heavily, that the characters are nostalgic for that time, mm-hmm. that we're going to almost push it a little further. Because like, this one was so saturated. Like, yeah, so, yeah. like the projections that they do and all the text on the screen, mm-hmm. hyper-stylized almost. Yeah, yeah. Compared to the first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it seems to be saying... I want it so bad. Like, from these characters. These characters want to go to this so badly. Yeah. And that it uses what the movie's first, the first movie style was as the character's perspective. Yeah. But also playing on the fact that the audience liked it too. And so, I think, I think there's even a, another layer to that yeah. in that the movie itself is a comment on sequels. Yeah, hardcore. you know what I'm saying? Because that's what you want out of a sequel. What? Why do people react to sequels? It's because that fucking first movie that you love. We're gonna go back and like revisit it. You know. But that's why this one works where most sequels fail. Yes, most sequels exactly. reference them yeah. and sort of like, hey, didn't you like that? Yes. There it is. That's it. In a cheap way. Which is it's cheap. The, which is why the Kelly McDonald part is the only part that I think starts to tip into that territory. Yeah. Because they still give you that shot where Hugh McGregor is down looking at her up at the building and she's not paying attention. And it's in that moment saying, it's the scene where he's talking about choose life and he's describing yeah. what choose life yeah, is. yeah, yeah. And I just wish they had given that more of a fair shake, but you know, yeah, there was so much. You know, what was really <laughs> distracting about that scene too. What? It sounded like, like, they redubbed. Really, it was like a lot of eight. Like most of that dialogue was ADR. Oh, I see. You kind seem of, to notice this stuff. I never noticed. It, it. really bugged <laughs> me, even though I I do like I do like that. Yeah. Uh, the update to that. That, you know famous dialogue from the first yeah. you know the, fa- the the voiceover from the first uh I, I i kind of i kind of dug that but um yeah that that one little detail kind of annoyed me i didn't mean yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but you know what's interesting about that scene is that when it starts and he starts talking and getting emotional about it i was like wait he's not acting real real anymore and at first it really threw me off because this movie the performances are way more consistently realistic. Yeah. And in that moment, he kind of leaves it. And you go on a ride with it, and you have a really great time. When you come back, you see he's been affected by it. Mm. And what's interesting is, like, that's what I think is so crazy about these two movies, is that they are so self-aware, but they're not winking. They are never winking. No. And I don't know if you ever get that. Yeah. In any referential movies. This is why yeah. Get Out bothered me. It was just, look, I know how to make a horror film, or I know movies from these things, and we just plop them in here. It's just so surface to me. I also, there's a, I think there's so much love that goes into these characters, too, from mm. Danny Boyle. I think there's, like, a, you know, a, a definite um, feeling of, of just... Uh, affection towards these these people maybe even because um i don't know this movie put them on the map mm. you know what i'm saying like this movie he put you know in, in train spotting 1996 he put so much of him 
into it, of himself into it, and people liked it, you know, and this is his, almost his response and his, you know, return to that point in his life, in Danny Boyle's life, too, where he made something that people fucking loved. Yeah. And, like, you know. It's like, let's talk about why we enjoy this, or, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, I, I, um... Yeah, that's that's why this is like maybe it's it's that rare self-referential, yeah. self-aware movie that isn't being smug, and, and that is a great feeling. And it's also you could tell that he worked his ass off to make this as entertaining as possible. Yeah, without you know, just being like, here's a fucking Millennium Falcon being chased by things through. <laughs> that's I did. A fun I did have. Right, you know, I didn't have. I didn't really have any expectations for this movie. Mm-hmm. You know. It delivered on every anything that I could possibly expect for it, but I did have a small fear that it might end up, I don't know, like a fucking uh, what the fuck is that movie called with the road hogs? What is that? <laughs> what? what? What's that fucking movie um, that your dad likes with the motorcycles? Oh, whoa. Uh, uh... War was such with the devil. Wild hogs. Wild hogs. You know, like a kind of a like we're old. We're old, and we know it. We know still know how to have fun. And yeah, it's embarrassing. But that 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 wild hogs sentiment uh, sensibility is the kind that says you know high school were the greatest years of your life, which is just such bogus. But yeah. Uh, so that's why that's why I thought this movie was interesting in the fact that it's a return. And. It's about how we deal with returning and how we deal with nostalgia and how we as people know that it's a love-hate relationship yeah. with ourselves. And that yeah. it's something that we have never been able to reconcile. Mm-hmm. And we don't know the answer to it. We've mm-hmm. never had it. We've never had an antidote to this, this feeling of elation and sadness that can coexist and that all we have done in the past is abuse ourselves to sort of make it feel positive, i.e. heroin. Yeah. And in the future, when we know that that can't work anymore, we've lost what can help us. Yeah. And all we can do is sit in that same spot, and that's the last shot of the movie. Yeah. So he goes in there, he puts the record on, he can handle it now. Yeah. And he just has to dance. Yeah. <laughs> It, there's no answer it's scary and we yeah. can't we'll never have an answer for it that's what the movie is I think. yeah yeah and that's why i think also that the new character goes back home yeah yeah i liked what you you said to, you said to me after it was over you said that's like one of the best theater experiences that i've had all year right oh yeah well because it was a movie it was a yeah. movie yeah it was Using everything that you get for free to make a movie. I just felt invested <laughs> in it. Yeah. Well, because... You know, I, I have a problem. I have a problem with seeing things in movies. Or, or see, seeing things... Seeing movies in theaters. Yeah. I get distracted. There's this weird thing where I get distracted. I, I will look around, you know, if, thing, if it starts to get boring or I'll, you know, I'll start... I just get... I just lose it, you well, know? Well, I mean, this theater was well 
set up for that. But it's a fucking small screen. It's super tiny. Like it's I think your living room is. Yeah, I mean, if we were to watch it, if we were to watch it on the TV right now, I feel like that's what it would be like. No, I mean it was much better than that. But oh. I, I mean, there's nothing obscuring the view, and there was nothing drawing your attention away. Right. Whereas right. in a the general AMC or normal multiplex situation, there's so much that they're trying to. I feel like they just don't successfully want you to be only with the movie anymore. And, exactly. Yeah, because generally what they're trying to sell tickets for in these big theaters now are movies that are trying to completely just take your attention now and we're going to be bombastic about it and blah, blah, blah. You know, how do we overcome your phone screen is just to be louder than the phone. Yeah. And that's generally disheartening. But, um, I, I mean, we went, I think we went to... A, well, the two choices of theaters we were going to go see were both completely catered to us as viewers. So yes, that's that's yeah. positive. I'm glad there wasn't there weren't any assholes in the oh, audience. Oh yeah, we got God, that's the fucking worst. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man, Can't, this is this would be a great moment to talk about. Uh, do you have any <laughs> good experiences like that? Because sometimes I think like, man. I want to become the person that stands up and faces someone. I, and says, oh, what I are so you? wish I could. And I'm slowly building up to it because I've been doing things in theaters. Like we, <laughs> so me and me and Jessica, me and Jessica were uh, watching, I think, Cabin in the Woods when it came out. Yeah. And uh, there were these, this group of, I don't, I don't think they were kids. Maybe, you know, like... I, I don't know how old they were, but yeah. they were fucking annoying. And they were, like, throwing popcorn at people. Like, some bullshit like that. Like, Ooh. we're, like, we're like ruining this movie and fucking, like, throwing popcorn at people in front of them and stuff. <laughs> they were in front of us, and they were just talking throughout the whole fucking movie. Oh, boy. I, this is the only time yeah. I've ever done this, and I never usually do it. I leaned in and was like, can you stop? Can you stop doing that? You did it. Or leave. <laughs> yeah. And like they stopped and they like got up and left. Good. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, you carry man. a big knife around on your waist. Those of you who can't see. And a fucking gun. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's one of those people. I, I, no, sometimes I just brandish my gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only using this carbine ammo. It ain't nothing to be scared about. Anyway, um... <laughs> No, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I told you about when I saw Fences, Fences of all movies to see, <laughs> are you kidding me? These, like, six, like, teenagers get, came in and sat on the front row and, like, brought in skateboards, I don't, I don't know how that happened, um, but they were talking through Fences. Fences is not a loud movie, okay? There's yeah. a lot of talking, but it's not very loud, Yeah. and... Dude, you cannot focus on a movie like that with people like up front going like yeah and like flashing their phones. Why did they go fucking watch Fences? Of all, I mean, it makes me feel like they snuck in from another movie, but oh, yeah. like they were just trying to find some place where they thought no one would be and they could just joke around. But it was Fences, like opening weekend of. Or and what what weekend. happened? Okay, I got tired of it, and yeah. I stood up and I just said out loud, "Shut up." They all looked back, and only half of them left. <laughs> I mean, I told you about when I went and saw Childhood of a Leader, and I stomped my foot in between two people's heads because the concrete floor was right between the seats. Yeah. And these people talking. And at, at a special screening 
of a weird, yeah. obscure art house movie. How do you show up and talk through it? Dude, and that's... Dude, I stomped my foot and they got up and left. I was I went with, uh, with a friend of mine who's a movie critic to some shitty fucking horror movie. But it was only... Only, you know, writers were allowed into it. Oh, and they were talking through And it. there were people fucking talking. Look, you know... Okay, dude, I... dude, the guy next to me, the guy next to me was writing notes, and at like some points he was like, "Oh no," he was like saying things audibly <laughs> out loud while he was taking notes. <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, you didn't like that scene?" No, I forgot I have to buy groceries on the way back home. <laughs> well, it just goes back to like nobody fucking cares. Nobody cares about <laughs> anybody else's shit. Or experience or time. Yeah, I guess so. Nobody fucking cares. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, okay, so we we gave some, so we liked Train Spotting and Train Spotting Two. Yeah, completely. Like those are movies that I think in the future they're gonna have double bills with those. Mm, Tons of yes. people are gonna show up oh. and wait in line at the the cool yes. theater down the street, and you know what's going on. Oh, of course they're going to see the two Train Spotting movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now we did talk some shit though about some movies. So in response to that, why don't you give oh, us a why don't our, you give us a, a, a few of your yeah a few of your. Well, I just kind of want to. I mean, if we talked about we talked. I, well, I saw Salt and Fire and Get Out, and I talked negatively about them. So a great Herzog movie that you should see. Um, that is a narrative Herzog movie. Uh. And I don't think it's fair to bring up like Aguirre, The Wrath of God, or Fitzcarraldo. This I want to find something more recent. I really think My Son, My Son, What Have You Done hmm. is a really interesting, bizarro movie with great performances. Really good use of Willem Dafoe as a cop that has to talk to Michael Shannon. And it just successfully builds mystery and doesn't apologize for it. Yeah. And it's got a midget. And I've seen and and they they the midget's like sure I know why I'm here, <laughs> you just want to have a weird shot with a midget I'm fine with that, but uh, then my antidote that I would give to get out, um, I'm just gonna say a really great horror movie about identity, uh, and I've talked to you about it before is Blue uh, the Blue Hour it's this mm. Thai film yeah about two uh, young gay men who meet. Um, at this abandoned sort of pool house and uh, it's supposedly haunted by spirits and after they hook up they start feeling like they're being haunted but then it starts to become about what it how how strange it is that you can't be out in this society and all this stuff and there's all these things about how uh, you know this land used to be mine but it was taken and you know, all these things like that. But on top of that, it's terrifying. I mean, there's a scene in that movie when I was watching it, I had to pause it, <laughs> take my headphones off, turn the lights on and be like, no, you have to finish. <laughs> you have to go. <laughs> so I, I really love that movie. The title of this podcast is Buffet. Title of his Buffet. And no one would like this podcast called Buffet if it didn't talk about food. We have to talk about food. Yeah. So the best... Thing you ate this week and the worst thing you ate this week you got anything you go ahead i'll go, you first. go first let me think about it best thing i ate this week 
was this uh, lamb steak sandwich from this restaurant, or this restaurant, this place I found in Orange that it's a liquor store, and in the back is suddenly this Argentine, Argentine, Argentinian mm-hmm. uh, cuisine. Yeah, yeah. And I got this sandwich and two empanadas. Empanadas are really good, mm-hmm. but I love the sandwich. It was like lamb steak with a chimichurri sauce inside mm-hmm. there, uh, romaine lettuce, thick tomatoes, and like uh, vegetables and stuff on it, on a French like French baguette. Oh my God, dude. It was wonderful. Cause I, I mean, I, I love chimichurri. All right. And sometimes I'm scared cause lamb can sometimes be oversalted, mm-hmm. but man, this was such a good taste and it wasn't too much. And it came with a little dipping sauce, like chimichurri dipping sauce a little too. Dipping sauce. A little dip, a little dip. A little dip. <laughs> anyway, uh, so good. It was crunchy in that bread, but then got chewy in there and you got those flavors. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. It's a place called La Farole, La Farolo, mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. two. It's, in, it's on uh, Tustin Avenue in the Orange County. In the Orange County. Worst thing I ate this week. Worst thing I ate this week was a slice of pizza I got yesterday <laughs> from this place called New York uh Pizza Slice. What's the name of the place? It's in uh, Foothill Ranch, which is in Lake Forest, California. Not the home of any good pizza. But it looked okay. It was a pepperoni slice. How can you really screw that up? I, yeah. You know when you get that... If you fucked up pizza, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, when you get cheese that tastes like Totino's, are you kidding me? You're a restaurant? You're getting that, that uh, bulk cheese aren't you oh it's awful you can taste the microwave in that prison cheese dude i'll eat totino's any day of the week but not for four dollars not for four dollars a slice at a restaurant that is true worst pizza i'd say the best thing i ate this week i love this place i go to this place all the time portos oh dude what'd you get I got the I got the slow roasted pork oh, so with the little garlic sauce on it. So good, dude. With the it, it comes with a plantain and it comes with beans, <laughs> and I got myself a little potato cheese and pepper ball. Oh, so incredible! Because you know what I like. See, here's the thing, and luckily it's not just Cuban cuisine that is able to get this really high. When you get pulled pork, that is buttery. Mm. Dude, isn't that a pleasure that is a pleasure that is a feeling i mean like you know you just love pork just feeling like it's melting and dissolving Mm. and that is such a pleasure i love pork flesh (laughs) bring me some more pork flesh all right worst uh the worst thing i don't know the worst thing i've eaten this week actually it's that bad (laughs) i think well i had some microwavable indian food that was not good (laughs) Microwavable Indian food is when you go, oh man, Indian sounds so good right now. I can't spend any money right now. Yeah, <laughs> it is, dude. Because it's like Trader Joe's. How cheap it is. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, it's gotta be good. It's like because I had like the lamb vindaloo, oh, which no. like was it microwavable lamb? Yeah. You know what really sucks about microwaving food too what? is that you see the process of it because you know you got to take it out and you got to <laughs> stir it. <laughs> You see the shitty process <laughs> of it thawing oh. and like you having to cut chunks up, you know, like frozen chunks just, so it'll cook better. You just, you've stopped oh, at that point. You have no, like, you know, 
I've known on occasion it's two in the morning and I know that the Albertsons is open and that I'm gonna get a hungry man. <laughs> yeah. Look, I have a great pl- I love food. I love eating good food. It is a it is a top five experience. <laughs> All right. Of life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> top three, let's be honest. But man, do I love trash. It's so good. It's so good. Even when it's just an edible mass. Yeah. It's sort of like when I I get a, I get a more positive feeling when I do it when it's a yeah. similar feeling in movies when the yeah. movie starts it's like you've forgotten. Yeah. Somehow yeah, yeah. in between watching the last movie that you did suddenly it's just like moving images is a pleasure and you forget that sometimes. Uh, you know, it there there are like a few things that I specifically eat when Jessica is not is like out of town because <laughs> I'm <have> so to... <laughs> embarrassed <laughs> that I eat you know and I'm pretty what open with Jessica so usually I'm pretty cool about eating like just trashy bullshit in front of her yeah. like there are a couple things where it's just like no she can't know that I eat this <laughs> But dude, one of my favorite things are just getting ruffled potato chips and a fucking thing of sour cream (laughs) and just fucking eating an entire container of sour cream and a bag of of fucking ruffled potato chips. You are a Ruffles, man. You look like a Ruffles. It has to be Ruffles with that. That's funny. It has to be Ruffles. I never eat them. It's, I don't know the last this time is, I This is ruffles. literally the only time that I eat ruffles. It's when you hide. And when I... <laughs> <laughs> but even better, though, is uh, in, if you don't want plain, if you guys don't like plain ruffles, go get those fucking buffalo... <laughs> Buffalo-style <laughs> ruffle chips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's good. <laughs> That's a pleasure. Awesome. Cool. All right, well, there we go. Episode one of Buffet. Yep. It's, uh, you should let us know if it's good. <laughs> let us know. Or if it's so bad that you think we deserve to know, that's almost just as good. That's, yeah. Anyway, there all right. Go. See you. Bye. Come for you. Movers and shakers, darling. Movers and shakers, oh. Movers and shakers, darling. They're gonna comfort you.